Welcome to Waking Up to Grace. Good morning, everybody. Uh, today, uh, today, the topic on hand is going to be about baptism. Uh, so we're going to talk about baptism of the Spirit, baptism with water, and kind of get to the bottom of, uh, you know, this whole controversial issue of why there's so much uh, questioning going on in the Christian communities about, do we need to get baptized? Uh, do, do we need to get baptized for salvation? And uh, do we need to get baptized in general? Ought, should we get baptized? Uh, what, you know, what's the significance of baptism? You know, there's a lot of questions like that. I think probably the most common one is, do I need to get baptized for salvation? And, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely plenty of doctrines out there that we can uh, look at uh, amongst different uh, Christian organizations that will tell you that is essential to get water baptized for salvation. And so let's take a look at that. Uh, that's, let's first start by taking a look at what baptism is and what it means and kind of the meaning behind it. And um, I know the baptism in ancient times was actually a dyeing process for clothing. And so they would immerse the clothing into the dye and the clothing would soak up that dye in, into the clothing. It would be, and it would just be immersed into it. And uh, so it's uh, basically an immersion that takes place. And so you can make that comparison essentially with with a water baptism. You could, and uh, you know, by immersing somebody in water, and 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 there's where some of the arguments come in with water baptism. Is it full immersion? Is it partial immersion? And then you have all these arguments going on about that. Uh, but you know, if you look at it at the spiritual end and the fact that we have an indwelling of the Holy Spirit as Christians, it would be an immersion and a saturation going on within. We'd be basically consuming uh, the spirit. The spirit would be immersing itself within us and and uh, the core of our being. And so that would be what a spiritual baptism would look like. And so uh, I hope that helps kind of get an idea. You know, there's there's plenty of analogies you can do, and I've heard that are very good, but I'm just going to kind of keep it at that, you know, and I think that's pretty basic and simple, and uh, we can all get an idea of what baptism means by that. But since we're on the topic of uh, having a lot of controversy, you know, that's Let's take a look back at, uh, at the first century Christians, uh, actually, where Paul was writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1.12. Um, there was obviously controversy going on even then about it. And uh, so it's, it, it sounds very similar today to today in a lot of ways. And here's, here's what was going on and what Paul was saying. He says, uh, now I mean this, that each of you is saying, I am with Paul or I am with Apollos or I am with Cephas, or I am with Christ. Is Christ divided? Paul wasn't crucified for you, was he? Or were you in fact baptized in the name of Paul? Thank you, God, that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one can say that you were baptized in my name. And then, and then he says, I, to be precise, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Otherwise, I do not remember whether I baptized anyone else. Uh, and then he and then he goes on and says, "For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with clever speech, so that the cross of Christ would not become useless." 
And uh, so, you know, we look at this passage and a lot of questions come to mind uh, looking at this passage that you, you know, you can draw from this. And so let's, let's take a look at some. Well, when we examine this passage, you know, the, the first question that comes to mind for me is, had they lost focus on Christ and began proclaiming an apostle? So, I mean, they're, they're, they've, they completely take this baptism thing and uh, make it a distraction. And then they're all worried about who, what human being they're following here. You know, Paul's describing the situation where one's saying, uh, I, I've been baptized by Paul and another, I'm with Cephas. And, and so uh, Cephas, who is also uh, Peter, um, you know, so you, you know, you have people boasting on one leader or another, maybe somebody was, you know, thinking like, oh, well, you know, Peter's okay, but, but Paul was the right hand man and, uh, you know, arguing amongst each other about who they follow and, and, and what is Paul trying to point out to them? Who are we really following here, guys? And, you know, the, the, another question that comes to mind is if baptism was salvation, why was Paul glad he did not do much of it? When he says it in verse 114, he says, uh, or, or were you in fact baptized in the name of Paul? Thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. And so why would he be, why would he be glad that he didn't baptize people? Because of all the confusion it was causing, you know, I mean, he's talking about water baptism here. You know, he, he clearly wasn't talking about a spiritual baptism in this moment. Because, um, you know, he, he was going around proclaiming the gospel, so all kinds of people would have been baptized in the Spirit. So why was Paul not sent to baptize in water? You know, in verse 117, he says, but to preach the gospel. He was sent to preach the gospel, not to baptize. So that's kind of interesting. If, if water baptism was essential for salvation, wouldn't that have definitely been high on the Apostle Paul's list? You know, just just drawing things from this one, you know, one passage and trying to shed some uh, some perspective on it here. Um, so, what was Paul sent to do? You know, he was he was sent to preach the gospel. What brings people to salvation? I'll let you guys ponder that for a minute. You know, what's bringing what's what was bringing people to salvation? It wasn't water baptism. It was something different. So what was it? Well, you know, spoiler alert, it was baptism of the Spirit. So what we really see here in 1 Corinthians 1.12 is Paul is making it pretty clear what's most important. It's, it's this baptism of the Holy Spirit that's the most important. He's not saying don't get water baptized, but he's proclaiming that you guys are getting all hung up on this stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, you're making all kinds of uh, complications out of it. This isn't complicated. It's it's kind of silly that he's having to point that out to them, but clearly water baptism was getting people hung up. And I think what we have today is a similar thing. I know when I when I think about uh, all the stumbling that people do when when somebody's talking about infant baptism, you know, you you have. I've heard somebody, you know, the the child or infant was having a tantrum. And so they, you know, somebody had blurted out, did the baptism take? And then, you know, on the other hand, I'm always hearing uh, others, you know, you have one person saying, well, you better get your baby baptized to save it, let's say, from purgatory. 
or to, you know, to dedicate it to the Lord. And, um, you know, and then you have from that, you get people asking the question, well, is water baptism salvation? Is this going to save my child? Is this going to save my infant? Is this going to save me as an adult? Either one of these things. Well, you know, I mean, if we're looking at water baptism in scripture, I, I never, I've never encountered an infant baptism in scripture for one. So, you know, if we're baptizing infants and doing these dedications or whatever it may be for whatever reason, it's not coming from scripture. So I, I'm not really uh, fully sure why anybody would do something like that. I guess in my mind is the first question, like if it's not being taught by the apostles, if Jesus wasn't teaching to do it, hmm, I'm not sure what to take from that. Other than it just, it, uh, from what I hear, it's certainly causing people to stumble. So, you know, you're you're not going to find me big in support of that because you're, you know, having to answer all kinds of questions and silly stuff like is baptism saving people just because you, you're doing this ceremony. I think it should probably be well explained if you're going to do it. You know, I mean, why don't, uh, you know, maybe instead of doing that, why, why wouldn't we just gather together as a, as a family and, and pray for that child, pray for that infant, uh, that, uh, uh, as, as I heard this week, an amazing prayer, um, um, f- from my sister, I thought it was phenomenal and it's stuck in my mind. She said, you know, I, I've been praying that my children, that God will open his kingdom to them and, and welcome them in. I mean, that's, <laughs> I was blown away. I was like, I don't think I've ever even uh, heard such a powerful prayer and uh, about somebody towards their children and like how loving and compassionate is that and how honoring of, of God's amazing sovereignty. I mean, that's, that's just so much better than I'm going to take him, you know, my baby to this place and dunk him in water. And then I'm going to go on living just like nothing happened because he's good now. And that's not scriptural. So I'm, I'm sorry that you know, these, these procedures and these religious uh, things that we do, they're not, they're just causing people to stumble. They're not helping anybody. So now what are these people doing? They're not going to go home and, and pray. They're not going to have any concern whatsoever, you know, and for the, for this child, now that he's baptized, he's good, or she's baptized, she's good. I mean, it, it doesn't, it's not really helping anybody become spiritual from what I'm seeing. So Hey, that's that's the way I'm seeing. And, you know, if it's not in scripture, why teach it? Why do it? And why? I mean, if you want to celebrate something in such a way, I mean, you shouldn't uh, you should we should probably try not to cause others to stumble by doing it. Um, So maybe 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 we should be rethinking some of these celebrations and doing them in a more uh, more more spiritual manner, maybe just a thought. But, you know, that's, uh, as I said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm adding in some thoughts in there just because uh, of, of what I see going on and what I hear going on. And um, so, you, you, you know, as, as, as Christians, we see things and we hear things and, you know, you can get kind of frustrated about what's going on, but it's all good. You know, God's, God's got this and uh, we don't have to, you know, sit and bite our nails and uh, thinking that, uh, you know, we got to change the world out there. Right. So uh, we're, you know, we're, we're just following the spirit. And if God wants us to change something, he'll get it done. And, um, but about water baptism, you know, 
let's just take a look at what scripture says. <laughs> Pause for a minute there. Uh, but you know, let's let's just take a look at what scripture says about water baptism. Um, there's there's plenty of verses that describe it quite well, I'd say. And uh, talk about, uh, you know, where it originated from and why they were doing it. So, you know, you you first uh, see John the Baptist. You know, he would have been the one doing it, right? So let's read John chapter 1, verse 23. John said, I'm the voice of one shouting in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. So they asked John, why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not recognize, who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandal. These things happened in Bethany across the Jordan River where John was baptizing. On the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one about whom I said, after me comes a man who is greater than I am, because he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but I came baptizing with water so that he could be revealed to Israel. So John the Baptist it proclaims why he was baptizing with water. This is why he was baptizing with water. It was to reveal, um, to, to reveal Jesus to the world, and it was revealed to him. That, that Christ had come because he came to get baptized to fulfill this prophecy. John then testified, I saw the spirit descending like a dove from heaven and it remained on him. And I did not recognize him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, the one on whom you see the spirit descending and remaining, this is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have both seen and testified that this man is the chosen one of God. So Jesus, as uh, scripture teaches us, came to baptize with the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's the good stuff. And so uh, we'll take a look at Matthew as well. And uh, it says, in those days, John the Baptist came into the wilderness. So, so these are the Gospels. And so they have, uh, you know, if anybody's not familiar with the Gospels, there are four different testimonies about Jesus from the disciples, from four different disciples. And um, so you're getting a little bit different angle, a little bit different verbiage here and there about some of the same things. And so Matthew's, uh, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came into the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, for he is the one about whom the prophet Isaiah had spoken. The voice of one shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing made from camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his diet consisted of locusts and wild honey. Interesting. Hmm. I wonder if that's healthy. Then people from Jerusalem, sorry, then people from Jerusalem, as well as all Judea and all the region around the Jordan were going out to him, and he was baptizing them in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You offspring of vipers, who warned you to who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore produce fruit that proves your repentance, and don't think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that God can raise up children for Abraham from these stones. 
Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not pr produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Uh, so, you know, a, a side note, there's maybe a gorilla in the room there. He's, he's talking about Israel, you know, Israel getting cut off and the Gentiles being let in to the kingdom. And, you know, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't mean that Jewish people aren't saved anymore and can't be saved. You know, this is just a, a, about the wrath of God coming down and on Israel and uh, for, for their unbelief and through crucifying Christ. And then, uh, you know, and so God ushers in the Gentiles. Just a side note, not to get off track. Um, then he goes on in chapter 3, verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one coming after me is more powerful than I am. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clean out his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the storehouse, but the chaff he will burn up with indistinguishable fire. And uh, yeah, so there again, you know, they're they're talking about some some prophecy there about what was to come. And uh, you know, you know, from from a fulfilled prophecy standpoint, 70 AD was probably I, I, I say probably just to, you know, because a lot of people haven't been exposed to this uh, teaching is uh, 70 AD would have been that just that fire, you know, when the temple was destroyed. Uh, anyhow, uh, you know, <laughs> getting we're getting into a lot of interjections here because it's just amazing how they're like every time I read there's, you know, these things that I feel need to be addressed. And so apologize if we're going off topic here, uh, but hopefully maybe it's helping kind of throw some things out there, some food for thought for you guys. Um, anyhow, so John the Baptist, and we've had a conversation about this on one of our studies. He came, it, it says, uh, let's take a look here. Um, uh, he, he, I baptized with water for repentance, but the one coming after me is more powerful. He baptized with the spirit. So what does he mean by that? A baptism with water for repentance. You know, what would they have been repenting of in those days? Uh, you know, everybody would automatically think, oh, well, they they just wanted to, uh, to to cleanse themselves of their sins. But that's not what was going on. John the, John the Baptist didn't have power over sin. Only one has power to forgive sin. And he wasn't taking that away from anybody. So it was a repentance. What was, you know, and we look at repentance. What does it mean to repent? It's a change of mind. What was going on that time that he was preparing the way for that somebody would have to change their mind about? Let's say the Israelites who were partaking in temple worship and sacrificing animals for forgiveness of sins and going through all these motions. What would they have to change their mind about? Well, it's really actually quite simple when you when you think of it that way, isn't it? They had to change their mind because the Savior was coming. He was coming to wash them clean and give them, uh, you know, and then when you repented in that way, you, you were baptized with the spirit. And when you, when you, when Jesus came and when he revealed himself, that's when the spirit came into the mix. And so we, so we have this amazing transition and there's even an example in scripture that a lot of people use for legalism where there was some believers that had been uh, that were obviously in John the Baptist's camp and been baptized. And they said, we've been baptized by John the Baptist, uh, but they hadn't been preached Christ yet. You know, they had the repentance that the Savior was coming, that these things were going on, but they didn't know what happened. 
And so these these believers filled them in and let them know what happened. These people were already prepped and ready for the gospel. So they filled them in on the gospel and then the spirit came on them. That's why the spirit hadn't came on, uh, come upon them yet and, and, and dwelt into them because they didn't hear the good news yet. They were still waiting for it. It has nothing to do with anything legalistic. I've, I've heard it preached that, uh, you know, that, that uh, those people didn't get the gift of tongues or they didn't get the gift of this or that. And then, uh, you know, because, you know, that we have to ask for that and we have to ask for the spirit to come into us to do these things. Even if we're believers, we may not have been filled with the spirit yet. And, uh, you know, being filled with the spirit is another topic and we will get into that. But that's a, that's not the same thing as having the spirit indwelling you being filled with it. Just a quick little spoiler when we get into that topic, those passages that say that. They're, they're talking about taking in spiritual knowledge, learning about your spiritual self, um, you know, being filled with the spirit would be would be learning who Christ is, learning who you are in Christ that fills you up. It's already in you. You can't get more. You're not going to believe and have the Holy Spirit indwelling on you and suddenly be needing the spirit to fill you still. I mean, that's it's it's not it's, it's not a it's filling you or it's not filling you. It's a matter of how full you are of this grace. And in what measure? And we should, we should all be craving to feed spiritually, right? And and to feed on truth. Truth is good and healthy for the Christian. And so, you know, where are we going to get our truth? I mean, man, you could say the Bible, and absolutely, the Bible is the foundation. But you know, you you see out there, there's so much information out there on Christianity these days, and so much of it's bad. And then there's some of it good. I mean, if somebody somebody could be just fully blessed and just hear the good news and go on their merry way and growing in grace, others, you know, are going to have to do it the hard way where they they learn, they come to Christ, and then they get fallen into legalism, and then they wake up. And, you know, there's just all kinds of scenarios out there. And some people learn from experiences, you know, some people, it's like, they could have been under false doctrine and something happens in their life. And suddenly they come to the realization that God is in, in control. It's not me. I can let it go. I don't have to keep hanging on to this nonsense that it's all up to me. And experience can teach people truth sometimes. I mean, evidently 80% of the church or more was uh, illiterate. So we can't just say scripture alone. For me, it's been scripture. It's been it's been testifying in scripture to everything and testing things to make sure that they're true. I mean, I'm not going to just believe something because it feels good. God taught me that. Thank God early on to not just go with the feeling. And, um, you know, I got challenged by that. And so anyhow, uh, that's, let's continue on. And that's the, now let's look at acts and what, the, what there is about baptism in the book of Acts. So here we are into the book of Acts, and I was just talking about this topic, and uh, I, I I failed to remember that it was on my list of passages. So now we get to talk about, just look at the passage that supported it. Um, it says uh, in Acts chapter 19, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul went through the inland regions and came to Ephesus. He found some disciples there and said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They replied, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul said, into, uh, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the, the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is in Jesus. 
When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began to speak in tongues and to prophesy. Now there were about 12 men in all. So, you know, this is there again, this, uh, you can see why somebody would go into uh, speaking in tongues there. Um, but uh, speaking in tongues in those days was actually speaking in native languages that people could understand. And there's uh, full evidence in scripture to support that. There is, there, there's, no, uh, there's no babble going on that people don't understand. There's not a language of angels. And we will, uh, we will unveil that in, in future talks. But there again, I, I keep spoiling things for everybody. So, you know, if you really, if you really like speaking in, uh, you know, languages that aren't real languages, I, I, I'm probably going to let you down in the future. I'm sorry, because uh, I, I have to be true to the truth. Um, so anyhow, you know, what was going on there is they, they'd been baptized, understanding that the Christ was to come. They didn't know it came. They didn't know he came. They didn't even know what the Holy Spirit was. And so how could you possibly have the Holy Spirit if you don't even know what it is? I mean, because that not that the gospel? You know, he, he was crucified for our sins. He died for our sins. He cleansed us. And then he rose again to give us his spirit. If they didn't know that, they didn't know the gospel. So it was really just that simple. Um, is is uh, they they needed to understand the gospel, and immediately the spirit came upon them, and uh, so they were they had uh, they were able to prophesy and speak in tongues. And again, prophesy, you know, is uh, is a word that I think is misunderstood often in circles today. I mean, it's anything that comes from the spirit could be considered prophecy. And um, you could be considered prophesying, just, you know, teaching a message uh, from my vantage point. I mean, what was the requirement that it was a prophecy? And, and going back to even the Old Testament, it had to be spiritually sent. It had to be sent from above. Right. And when you proclaim something that's true in Scripture, where did it come from? It came from above. So let's not complicate prophecy and, and make it, you know, more than it needs to be. There's all different things that could be prophecy. It could just be the the, the truth and counseling somebody in the truth. It, it could be all kinds of things. So, uh, you know, we, we can overcomplicate the, these things and turn it into looking into a crystal ball and foretelling the future. And, uh, uh, yeah, let's just uh, let's just keep it, you know, keep it real, keep it with the spirit, keep it with the uh, if it doesn't line up with scripture, let's be careful and watch out. So, but, you know, that's 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 pretty much, I'd say, the gist of what we need to know about water baptism. So I hope that helps shed some light on water baptism. And um, so you see that the John the Baptist water baptism didn't save them. They weren't saved until they actually heard the gospel. So it was the spiritual baptism that saves, right? So let's, let's take a closer look at spiritual baptism. Okay, so spiritual baptism, the saving baptism, the, the baptism that gives life to the dead. Let's look at that um, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20 says, uh, after they were disobedient long ago, when God patiently waited in the days of Noah as an ark was being constructed, and the ark of few, that is eight souls, were delivered through water. And this prefigured baptism, which now saves you, not the washing off of physical dirt, but the pledge of a good conscience to God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who went into heaven 
and is at the right hand of God with angels and authorities and powers subject to him. And so what he's saying here is that, uh, you know, this, this baptism is not about water. Um, he, he's saying they, you know, in the, in, in the old, in the old Testament, eight souls were delivered through water. And, uh, but he's saying this baptism now that saves you. So they were saved through water. They were saved on Noah's Ark physically through the water, right? And uh, he's saying that, that this baptism that saves you isn't just the washing off of physical dirt, which, you know, what would you think to wash off dirt with? It would be water. He's saying it's not of water, right? I mean, it, it seems it seems clear to me that Peter is saying that it's not about the water, guys. Um, so he's saying it's the pledge of a good conscience to God. It's, 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 and, and that's what you would be doing, right? If you were celebrating baptism, that's, you know, looking at it as a celebration, you come to belief, you have some people around you that are like-minded and, and you want to celebrate, pledge yourself to God, but it's not the water that makes you clean. It's your belief. It's your belief. If you, if you had no water nearby, and you came to believe you're still saved. If you if you just currently don't have anybody, you know, a big uh, group enough to feel like it was public to gather with that are like mind that you consider to be brothers, it's okay. I mean, you why don't you go home in the bathtub and have a family member help you out then? I mean, it's okay. It's a celebration. It's not it's not pertinent to our salvation. And if we start making it legalistic as a rule and an obligation, it starts becoming a problem. You know, I, I hear people, plenty of people preaching on this and saying that it's not essential for salvation. But if you don't do it, you're not following God's commands. And, you know, it starts to, in my in my thinking, just be a slippery slope there when you start saying that, oh, you don't have to do it. But if you don't, you're kind of not really a Christian. Come on. I mean, just slow down a little there. It's 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 about the spirit. And if somebody feels it on their heart to celebrate, that's awesome. Celebrate with water. Uh, you know, Peter, I don't know if I, it doesn't look like I have it in here, but at one point Peter had said about baptism, who's to stop us? It was in the book of Acts. He said, who's to stop us from baptizing these people? Because there's a celebration. They came to belief, they received the Holy Spirit. And then he said, who's to stop us from baptizing them in water, basically? And uh, they they had a blast. And I, I mean, I can imagine the fellowship that, that goes with that and, and the community around it. I think it's fantastic. Uh, but just just don't start making it a rule to people. Don't start making people feel obligated. You ruin the whole thing. You know, a little yeast works through that whole batch of dough. And so and then Romans, he says, what shall we say then? Are we to remain in sin so that grace may increase? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that as many as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So this is a different type of baptism. This is a spiritual, uh, it's absolutely a spiritual baptism because we were baptized into his death, buried with him in baptism into death, our old self done away with. We're a new creation now. So that's a spiritual baptism he's describing. It's a spiritual cleansing. 
And uh, Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so that we too may live a new life. The old self is done away with and the old, the old is gone and the new is here. That's the real celebration. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, you know, if we want a Duncan water to celebrate, cool, that's fine. Cause that's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. And, you know, if you just want to rejoice in that alone with some people, I'm fine with that too. Personally, Ephesians 4, 4 says there is one body and one spirit, just as you too were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So there's one spirit, one hope, one baptism, one Lord. So what is that one baptism? I, I'm I'm going to guess it's the spiritual baptism, just based on context, and uh, it's not a guess. I mean, it's the spiritual baptism. It's the baptism of the Spirit. He doesn't say two. He would have to say two if there was a water and a spirit. He says there's one baptism. And, okay, so that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the one that the people from John came to receive later from Paul. That's the one. And uh, so in Corinthians... 12 13 he says for in the spirit we are all baptized into one body whether jews or greeks or slaves or free we were all made to drink of the one spirit so we are all baptized into one body now he's talking about the church the body of christ we've become baptized into it we are all one i mean this baptism word is amazing it's phenomenal it's we we've like a clothing mixed put into dye you know we've been soaked into the body of christ through spiritual baptism and so the water would symbolize that you know it would be a symbol of that and uh so for all you who are baptized into christ have clothed yourselves with christ there is neither jew nor greek there is neither slave nor free there is neither male nor female for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. So we're baptized in Christ Jesus. We are baptized into Christ Jesus. So, you know, I, I got to say, you know, there's an analogy that I've heard and it's just, it's just cool. So let's just end with a good analogy. So you, you put a, um, you put a bottle underwater, the, bo- uh, the water's in the bottle and so that's the, you take the cap off, right? You dunk the bottle into the water. It fills up. So the water's in the bottle and the bottle is in the water. And you put a cap on that bottle and now it's sealed. So you have this, if you look at that analogy, you've, you've basically, the bottle is you getting filled with the spirit and the, the spirit is all around you. The water's around you and it's in you. And then when you put the cap on, it's sealed. And so you have this sealed system. And what can get in now? Nothing bad can get in. You've been sealed for the day of redemption and you are set. So this baptism is once for all. And if you've received it, and if you believe it, if you believe the finished work of Christ, do you believe that he died for all of your sins? Do you believe that your old self and all of your sin, past, present, and future, was crucified with him at the cross and that you rose with him and he took you with him to new life, his life that's been from the beginning and never ends. You've just inherited a life that is eternal from beginning to end 
and you will never die. Your body will fall asleep and you'll never die. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Or are you still doubting? Are you still not sure that Christ did it all? Are you still thinking that you have to continue and complete something? Because scripture doesn't tell us that we have uh, that we have anything to add to that. It talks about the renewing of the mind. It talks about spiritual growth here on earth, but we start out perfect. And so we got a huge head start. And the whole point of, of the apostles letting us know that is so that we can rest in him. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And when you're part of the family, he calls you brother and uh, you're, you're set. You, he's not going to let you go. And that's the beauty of the sovereignty of God is that you can trust his promise when he says it because it's not contingent upon anything that we in humanity have to do. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to trust it. So I hope you guys enjoyed this message. Thank you for joining us this morning. And I hope to hope to have you guys on board for another message. And uh, I hope to, to hear from you guys too. You guys got questions, you want to check out our website at wakinguptograce.com. Maybe even want to study with us sometime. You know, we're, you know, we'd be open to looking at that idea. We have a page uh, about it, uh, you know, on our website and, you know, join us on Facebook, join us on YouTube. We're sticking to those platforms right now, trying to keep things simple. We're, we're a small ministry. Uh, we're not looking to be, you know, uh, you know, the biggest ministry out there because, uh, because we know that the, the truth is never going to be the hot topic. It's never going to be the big trending topic and that's okay. Because uh, for those who have the ears to hear are going to rejoice and we'd love to rejoice with you guys. So, you know, give a shout out if you like what we're saying. Encourage us. We'd love to hear it. Uh, we we know that the people that don't like it are going to already do that automatically. <laughs> and, uh, you know, whatever. You're, I don't know what they think they're going to stop. So, amen, you guys. You guys have a good morning. And, uh, um, yeah, may, may God's grace be upon you. And if you believe it already is. Take care, guys.